0: Welcome to the
1: MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss building consumer loyalty and engagement. Joining us is Derek Fung, who is the co-founder and CEO of Drop, which is a personalized commerce platform that intelligently surfaces the right brands at the right time to make their consumers' lives better than they were the day before. Powered by machine learning, Drop matches consumers with over 300 partner brands to award them with points for their purchases and redeem them for instant rewards. And today, Derek is going to talk us through how machine learning allows retailers to harness consumer data for targeted advertising. Okay, here's my conversation with Derek Fung, co-founder and CEO of Drop. Derek, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
1: Excited to have you on the podcast. Excited to talk a little bit about the commerce space and how it is evolving You know, I think of the commerce space and specifically CPG brands of being really sort of marketing centric organizations. Going back to the, you know, Procter and Gamble days, you know, you make your cereal and your soap and your toilet paper and you have to build a brand and then on some level hope that your consumers are buying it, but you don't control the entire retail channel. Your company is built around building engagement, loyalty for commercial products. Talk to me a little bit about the landscape and how things have changed from we have our Dove Soap Bar and our Frosted Flakes, and we give them to Safeway and hope that they can sell them.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Let's rewind back to the days when loyalty programs were created, whether this is the 90s and early 2000s, when some of the largest loyalty programs were created it was a very different world. It was a world without the internet. It was a world without Uber. And it was a world where retailers and marketers really had no idea who their customers were. And whether you're a grocery store or a gas station, you knew that people were coming and they were buying things, but you wouldn't know if they were male or female or what age they were, how to reach them. So the loyalty programs of the past were created to get that information. And they did it through punch cards. They did it through signing up to newsletters. And some of the largest retailers across the world did it through coalition programs, where they would partner with other retailers to get even more data and reward the consumers in ways that they couldn't be rewarded before. So that was how they were all created. Redemption was at point of sale. The data was collected through point of sale. And the main way to redeem, believe it or not, was through a phone. You had to call into a call center. To redeem your reward and your reward was mailed to you and you wouldn't get it for a couple of weeks.
1: So help me fast forward to the difference between the original programs that were created, you know, the keypad at Safeway or even before when you're dialing in to redeem your awards to where we are today. And what are some of the sort of legacy technologies that have stuck around that we still use?
2: I'd say that the vast majority of the innovation started when the internet started becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And I'd say we started feeling that you know, 2005 to 2008, when companies like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat started to become mainstream, and then mobile started becoming also very mainstream. And when we started the company 5 years ago, the world was also very different. But I'd say that there's a couple of big trends and themes that have had to happen to get to where we are today. One is the interconnectivity of the world, the ability for a consumer to spend online or in-store, I'd also say that, of course, the mobile phone and allowing consumers to redeem and search wherever they are. Another big one, Visa just acquired a company called Plaid for $5.6 billion. Plaid is an online platform that allows companies like drop to link into the consumer's bank account. And another big driver of loyalty in where we are today is the fact that A lot of the brands that we know and love, including Airbnb and Uber, the loyalty is built into the actual experience with the product and not through a punch card or a loyalty program per se. So I actually will say that the word loyalty has evolved a lot. I think that the younger consumer are either not loyal or super loyal to brands that they love and they're loyal to them, not because of a loyalty program, but because of the actual experience they have with the product or service.
1: I think the thing that sticks out to me is there's a dynamic shift, not only in the way that we pass data and integrate with brands, but there is also more of a direct connection with new wave brands. And I'm, I'm thinking about the differences between you know how you buy a mattress, right? It used to be there was a mattress manufacturer that went to an outlet that you could choose between all of the different brands. And now there's a million brands, Casper being sort of the one that pops up to my head in the beginning of direct-to-consumer brands. When you think about loyalty and about the data that's passed, it seems like the challenge is for the brands that are not direct consumers to be able to understand who their consumers are to be able to target them. For non-D2C brands, talk to me about some of the ways that they are innovating and building an awareness who their customers are, engagement, and loyalty.
2: Ultimately, as you mentioned, loyalty is no longer simply having a program having a program can be considered table stakes. I think loyalty is ultimately having a deep understanding of the consumer, knowing who they are, being able to personalize, target them with the right offer and product and service at the right time, and all driven through data. Um, In a world where consumers have ultimately a lot of choice, loyalty really is that experience. And I'd say that companies that have done extremely well, and these are companies that we work with and, and we see the data, are companies like Target and companies like Nordstrom and companies like Sephora. So when you think about a company like a Target, how they've built immense loyalty amongst the younger consumer is one, first understanding what they like and don't like about their in-store experience. But then through that, they've been able to one, curate and sell really cool, interesting products within their store. So their brand has really evolved from being not just a discount store, but a very cool, high-end leading discount store. With a company like a target, you know, everything from lighting to how things look in the store, they've placed immense focus on that. And that's why when you look at their stock price this year, it's come up in a big way. I also will say that personalization has become more and more table stakes and companies like the Nordstrom's of the world or the Lululemon Sephora's work with companies like Drop, because not only do we help them personalize and target offers on our platform, we're also able to give them information and data on how their customers behave both in their store and also outside of their store. So I think a lot of companies work with outside parties to get a good understanding of what's happening outside of their store to then better learn on how they can better the experience in-store or online.
1: So I think that there's two components here. One is the experience, right? Being able to reward and show your gratitude for your consumers, Giving them a reason to re-engage, right? It's an experiential thing. Hey, I am a Target fan because I have the loyalty card or the app on my phone, and I'm willing to go through the extra steps. Uh, you know, the one that comes to mind is I got a Pete's for coffee pretty frequently, and I just don't want to pull out a loyalty rewards card or another app. I'd rather just pay with my watch and get it over with. But a lot of people use the Pete's loyalty program to get free drinks. Right, and it's experiential, and they're able to get discounts and feel like they're part of the brand. And the other component is the data sharing. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Talk to me a little bit about how brands are collecting the data and what are they doing with it when they're building out a loyalty program.
2: You know, when you look at the traditional, what we call in the industry a coalition or cross-merchant loyalty program. So for example, we have Air Miles in Canada, there's Nectar in the UK, American Express in the US launched something called Plenty, which they unfortunately had to shut down. But Plenty, as an example, had Macy's, Rite Aid, CVS, and AT&T and ExxonMobil. And the traditional approach which they executed on was they had to convince Macy's, Rite Aid, Exxon Mobil, all these companies, and typically convince their CMOs to join Plenty. And they had to convince them because they would market Plenty in store. And as part of joining a coalition, the retailers are all sharing information with each other. And they do that so they can better personalize and target, again, outside of their own store through learning about what the consumer is doing through these partnerships. When looking at just a single retailer on their own, you know a lot of them, I will say there's an abundance of data. So a lot of the big companies, believe it or not, have too much data that they don't know what to do with it. You know We've been talking about data for a long time, but for the most part, a lot of retailers don't know what to do with it. And I think the last couple of years has been spent cleaning the data and really making sense of the data, I do think moving forward, a lot of these brands, one, because of CCPC and GDPR and all these regulations, there's a lot of things they can't do. It has to be aggregated, anonymized, de-identified data. But everything from targeting to what you see in a store, you know, you look at what Amazon's doing with some of their pop-up stores, customizing on a per store basis to there's really interesting companies out there that are helping retailers retarget through mail. So imagine going into a store. Walking to an aisle, engaging with the product through picking it up, but you don't actually end up buying it. The future is one in which that store will be able to email you or mail you something and done in a data and privacy friendly way. But I see that this is where, you know, this whole world is going. I think targeting for email and Facebook and all of that is, you know, the past decade. I think the future decade is gonna be a lot more futuristic in how a lot of these retailers will use the data.
1: I find it ironic that, you know, the future technologies are ways to deliver things through USPS and (laughs) and the mail, right? It's like, we're going to send you a piece of paper that you can leave on a desk that reminds you that you really liked this pair of pants, which technology that goes behind just sending somebody a letter is incredible. But it gets to the point of, you know, privacy and what data is collected And obviously, there's the end use case of wanting to retarget consumers with a relevant experience. Talk to me a little bit more about, you know, obviously, their privacy concerns. But when you're going through loyalty rewards programs, obviously, companies have too much data. So I, I don't expect you to be able to answer every field that's captured. But what are some of the key points of, hey, I'm using a loyalty program as a consumer. Here's the type of information that is being passed along. And walk me through basically the data flow.
2: Yeah, I'd say that consumers and we do the research and we speak to our members, You know, they typically, they know that when they join a rewards program or loyalty program, they're giving up their data in exchange for value or rewards. And I'd say that that exchange and that statement is the most important part of the point that I'm trying to get across is that in a world where consumers, they know whether through Facebook or Google or Amazon, their data is out there. If a brand or a retailer or a company like a Drop was looking to do something with the data, the consumer expects something in return. Whether it's five dollars at, at Starbucks or Amazon rolled out a Google Chrome extension and they essentially outright said to the user, "We will be following your web traffic and your browsing, but here's ten bucks." So I think that consumers are smart and they are looking for something in return. I'd say that where the technology that's out there and what's available and how it's changed and the big change being payment data and where someone is spending on a transaction level has been available for some time. You look at Mint.com and budgeting apps of the early days, 2005 you know onwards. This type of data has been around. But what I believe has been the biggest change in the industry over the last couple of years is one, the cleanliness of the data. And companies like Plaid and Financial APIs are helping clean the data. Two, I'd say it's the banking technology itself. So for example... Nordstrom's got a private label card. Target has a private label card. The banks that issue all these cards are all now open to APIs and platforms plugging into the bank to pull the data. So the actual accuracy of the data has drastically improved. And I say the last one is the ability to do a look back. So a lot of companies out there, including a drop, can look back and assess what the consumer has been spending and how they were spending in the past, and then use that information to better target them with offers, rewards, and then also use that data to better prove to retailers that, hey, when you work with a company like a Drop, we are truly driving incremental sales because we have the data. Like We know how the consumer was spending before and after. So I'd say these are some of the big movements within payment data and technology that has allowed companies like Drop to exist and build very robust, intelligent rewards platforms.
1: I always assume that when I go and I enter my phone number at the local Safeway or Walgreens, they're essentially looking at my profile, looking at the products that I'm purchasing and figuring out what phase of life I'm in. Hey, Ben's buying diapers right now. He is in the bucket of young dads, right? Early family members, something along those lines. Therefore, I'm put into a targeting bucket and people can access that data. Are there ways to tap into and understand these sort of ethnographic and demographic type profiles from a marketing targeting perspective? Can anybody come in and and buy the data based on your purchase behavior?
2: There definitely are companies out there that do this and us not being one of them in terms of selling data of that level of specificity. And there are a lot of ad tech companies that do buy, sell that type of audience and demographic data. So this has been happening for quite some time. I'm not sure if you've heard that one incident where someone bought, I think it was like a pregnancy test product at a Walmart and they were retargeted in the mail. And I think their mother saw the mail and picked it up. And that's how she learned that her daughter was pregnant. I think that type of marketing definitely crosses the line. And I think that Targeting is going to get better and better. I think that new legislation and rules and privacy policies will protect the consumer and will continue to protect the consumer. There's still going to be a line. But at the end of the day, this type of stuff has been done. But what has been changing is that through the Facebook privacy debacle and Google now recently removed cookies from Chrome. So it's coming, it's happening. And I think that ultimately consumers will win because they want the targeting, they want the personalization, but they only want it if there's value. And again, we think savings and rewards are the easiest low-hanging fruit to deliver value to the consumers. I think we're still probably a bit far away from them wanting very, very personal things shipped to them with that Walmart example. But I think that this is where it's all moving towards.
1: So I guess the last question that I have for you is there's obviously an increase in the ability for brands to be able to target their consumers, whether it be in sort of a closed walled garden loyalty program, some loyalty programs you can get access to profiles that are not necessarily customers that you've engaged with. Talk to me about how machine learning is changing the usefulness and the cleanliness of consumer data.
2: Believe it or not, labeling, cleansing, mapping still is a challenge till today, especially the big banks. They have too much data. When you look at your purchases on a credit card statement, it might look pretty simple and easy to understand. But there are thousands of iterations on how a purchase may show up on your credit or debit card statement and all that work is not easy. So I'd say that a lot of banks are investing heavily into this. TD Bank, you know, in Toronto where we're based, uh, bought an AI company called Layer Six to focus specifically on this. It's everything from personalization to better predicting when a consumer is about to buy a home, buy a car. This is how the banks are using AI and machine learning technology, and it's to make that algorithm smarter and smarter and smarter. And the most important thing first is to clean the data. So. I believe over the next 10 years, we'll start to really see the impact of the advancements being made in this space. However, and this is where drop has a big advantage, consumers often have too many cards in their wallet. The average US household is a member of 29 loyalty programs, probably has multiple payment cards probably is using one card for travel, one card for groceries, because they have an abundance of choice. And I'd say that in a world where a bank can no longer truly understand what's happening with that one consumer because they have so much business elsewhere, it will be companies like Drop who consolidate all this data into one centralized platform to be able to truly use machine learning in a truly customized way. So. I think there have been significant advancements, but the most important part is having a very 360 view of the consumers and how they spend.
1: If there's anything I've learned from doing the interviews for the MarTech podcast related to artificial intelligence, machine learning, even marketing automation... It's two things. One, most artificial intelligence is just somebody using a buzzword. And B, data density is what really enables people to actually do machine learning. So it makes sense that having the ability to gather data from consumers across multiple different loyalty programs is going to enable you to actually use real machine learning to make conclusions about what customers' behaviors actually are.
2: Definitely. I mean, companies have been doing big data for a long, long time. Google and how they think about search is machine learning. And they've been doing it for a long, long time. You know, the big shift in today's world is the abundance of data. That is new. And that is through things like Fitbit and Internet of Things and just more ways to collect data through banks, through hardware, through drones, through sensors. So I'd say that is probably the biggest innovation. The cleansing of data and rules-based algorithms, all of that have really been around for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to hear about how the loyalty programs that we were thinking about and talking about in the beginning of this podcast, the I'm putting in my phone number at Safeway, how the data collection and the usage of that data has been similar for 30 years, but now we have so many other sources to match that against to make it more useful. And so it becomes a data cleanliness problem as much as it is a collection problem. Okay, with that said, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Derek Fung, co-founder and CEO of Drop for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Derek and I are going to discuss how to properly leverage your loyalty programs to boost customer engagement. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Derek, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His company's handle is Joindrop, J-O-I-N-D-R-O-P, or you can visit his company's website, which is Joindrop.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can sign up for a once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. where you can reach out to me directly my handle is ben J. Shapp, benjshap b-e-n-j-s-h-a-p And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Derek Fung, co-founder and CEO of Drop, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.